welcome to. Oh wait, we're not saying this. Oh, it's, it's your show. You, you can do whatever you want. Uh, all right. Well, this is the Art House uh, Movie Guide podcast that I probably didn't say the title right just then. Uh, I'm Chris, and I'm Anton. And today, wow, <laughs> what an event do we have for you today? Yeah, we went to the movies. We did it in person. We went to our first movie ever. This is, I think, the le- the first time I've been in the theater since Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I mean, before we even get to the movie, just Anton, walk us through what's going on in your mind. You're going into the movie theater first time in a year, over a year. Yeah. What's what's going on? What's your experience? What's your thoughts? What's brewing? Um. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I mean, we get in the theater and they taped off all the seats. So that was interesting. Mm-hmm. They they still wanted to yeah. maintain the six foot of distancing. Um, mm-hmm. Although it didn't make sense because I guess you were close to the person. That, so yeah. it, it would be like every other row was like there's like a two seater where me and you sat. And then the row in front of us had one seat available. Where yeah, they didn't do a good job. Which there was. It was full. I was surprised. But uh, you were still closer to that person. Like, it wouldn't have mattered if there was another person three seats down, like, yeah. away from him. Like, It's the thought that uh, counts with pandemics, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought it was nice. I, I didn't know it was going to be that theater. Otherwise, I probably would have sat closer. Uh, yes, because it, it kind of just stretched back. <laughs> yeah, which Film Forum has always kind of been. We saw it Film Forum in New York, and they, you know, not all of their theaters are equal, so some of them are more narrow and yeah. But they put new seats in. They're nice. They were nice seats. It was air conditioned and a hot day. Yep. So can't go wrong with that. Nope. So no food, no popcorn. Nope. And uh, then we watched the movie, and then we had dinner, and we couldn't talk about the movie because we had to do this podcast today. Yep. So we sat in silence and ate. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so if you ever uh, see a movie with someone and then go get dinner after, um, try not to talk about the movie and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. It's a real hoot of a dinner. All right. Well, we'll get into today's movie. Um which is the movie we saw in theaters, There Is No Evil, by Mohamed Rasif. Um, or wait, I'm sorry, Rosloff. Uh, this is a... I, it premiered at Berlin Film Festival in 2020, I think. Uh, and then the story behind it is he filmed it in secret mm-hmm. uh, because of... Uh, it was filmed in Iran and because of what the movie was about it wouldn't have gotten made and so they kind of filmed it under the radar and then had to smuggle the movie out Um, I was under the impression they smuggled out the people involved in the movie as well but he's actually still in Iran he can't leave yeah I didn't know that Um, so it's kind of a uh, uh 
interesting situation surrounding the movie and uh you know it's our first movie that's like of that's new and it's 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 very uh politically involved um yeah we were talking about it to a friend last night she said oh so it's uh anti-death penalty propaganda (laughs) 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 which is a very unfair way of looking at it but she's not wrong yeah but it's like good (laughs) it's good to have that (laughs) i guess it's hard to kind of judge a politically motivated film but it has uh really great intentions so it was a difficult movie to watch yeah um, but it's also a movie to help you understand the situation of what's going on in Iran. Uh, right. But anyways, first initial reaction, Anton, what was your, you're in the, you're in the, you're in the theater, seeing it in person. What, 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 what do you think when you were walking out of the theater? All I knew was this was made in Iran and that it had to get smuggled out. That was like all I mm-hmm. knew about this movie going in. Um, yeah. I think you had mentioned something about the death penalty before, but it kind of like I, I forgot about yeah. it. Although I was surprised at the what it was like. I assumed I thought it was just about the death penalty in Iran, which is a pretty broad statement. But after watching the movie, you kind of see it's more specifically. Um, it's more about people put in the situation to uh, force to keep the death penalty going like yeah. uh like what what do you do to regular human beings when they are the ones forced to kill other human beings yes uh i feel like that's what it, the movie is set up in four different parts like four different separate stories yep um all kind of surrounding it with very similar situations and happenstance yeah g- uh I was just, just going to say, I, I, because I didn't know anything about it, that first, like the four different stories, that first story mm-hmm. was a surprise to me. I didn't know it was going to yeah, be four different Yeah, you were kind of waiting stories. for it to happen. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know it was going to be four different stories. I didn't know that it was going to be the death penalty. I'm kind of happy I didn't know anything about it, because when you go into it not knowing anything about it, that first story mm-hmm. hits even harder. Uh, Well, since it was in four vignettes or four stories uh why don't you do us uh why don't you do us a solid no (laughs) (laughs) why don't you uh recap uh as you you do uh, your anton's world famous recap uh but we'll just start with each story separately so you want to walk through the first one sure so the first one is this older guy uh with a beard doesn't really say much. He's leaving from a car park underground, and he puts something in his trunk. And on the way out, they say, hey, what do you got in your trunk? Like a guard asks him, and, and he said, oh, it's rice. It's my rice ration. And they look, and they're like, okay, cool. And they let him go, and then he picks up his wife, and he picks up his daughter, and his wife's complaining about um, him not asking for a raise or something. And... She goes into the bank to get his salary and pay something down, but she forgets. And then he's late to pick up his daughter, and they go to the grocery store, and they go and they hang out with their grandma. And it's just like this really kind of mundane, mundane yeah. yeah, life. And then 
uh, you basically follow his his evening, and uh, then he wakes up at three a.m. to go to work. And he, when he goes to work, uh, he gets in his car really early, and uh, he stops at a red light. It turns green. He does not drive. He's still waiting and until it but turns he's not red sleeping. again. No, he's just staring, waiting mm-hmm. for this light on the way to go to work. He goes back down into the underground thing that you saw him come out of at the beginning of the movie. And it's like this underground bunker area. He's making coffee and getting ready. And then there's these lights on the wall that are kind of red and green, mm-hmm. too. And I think they're lit up red, and then they light up green. And he looks through a little window, and he... Uh, presses a button and then it cuts to a bunch of people being hung. Yeah, which was kind of a shocker. I really, I uh, didn't yeah. really see that going there. Spoiler. What? The, <laughs> and the one thing they captured, which I wouldn't have thought about, is that when you get hung, you pee. Yeah. Which I, I didn't, didn't know. They don't. They don't do that in movies so much. Yeah, it's very realistic and unsettling. Um, yeah. I it. I, I mean, I guess we probably would have, if we had talked after the movie, we probably would have landed on this. But, like, uh, kind of, I remember I could hear you audibly, like, when he's at the, uh, the, the, the light and it turns green, he's just sitting there, like, staring blankly. And you, you kind of go, <laughs> and uh, it felt really like a weird moment. Like, why isn't he going? And like, because yeah. there's nothing in the movie leading up to that. There's nothing in the movie. This like, why would there's been nothing really to like this man just leads a perfectly normal existence. What? And, yeah. and then I think when you see the footage, of the hang like when the hanging happens, and then you see what the lights on the thing that he works on, then you kind of understand why he's there. <laughs> I think you understand yeah. that a little better. Like, I don't. I have the tendency to <clears throat> overread into things, yeah. but I feel like him at the traffic light kind of mm-hmm. tied into the lights at the. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I think that was the like. It, he. It made you think that there. I, I didn't really think of it till after the movie, but like in the movie, uh, I think it was like, wow, this guy just carries on and that's his job and he just does it every day. But I think when you think of the moment where he's at the red light, it does really impact him in ways that aren't really shown exteriorly. Like it's not really. Yeah. He's a really quiet, reserved guy. And it's, it's Mm -hmm. almost like his only communication in, in a way is him not going at that green light. Yeah. That's his only resistance. Oh, and, oh, here's another takeaway. There, uh, the whole movie is about being told what to do, mm-hmm. and at the green light, you're being told to go, and he does, and he doesn't want to yeah. go. Okay, I feel like I'm maybe starting to pick up yeah, on these. It's things. very subtle, but um, I think that's what's great, and it it really does set the stage for the other three stories. Because I, I mm-hmm. think that kind of long build up to this is like 
you know, you can make a big general movie about a totalitarian government that regularly executes people. And, like, you can have it be shown in a specific way. But when you're kind of eased into this kind of uh, everyday life, like, looking at it, uh, it makes it very unsettling. uh, Yeah, I have a lot more in this movie to talk about the overall stuff, in a way. Well... Um, Do you want to go on to the next story then? More than other ones. Uh, yeah, sure. We could probably go through it quick because I feel like it's weird how much there is to mm-hmm. say um, oh, about yeah. the overall. A lot to say overall, but the stories themselves are kind of just simple morality tales. Like they yeah, don't. Exactly. There isn't that much complexity to them. I think that's what kind of makes them really uh, interesting. For yeah. sure. So. Again, me going into this movie did not know anything about it, didn't know it was four vignettes or anything like that. So we go and they do a little fades to black and it says, uh, I don't remember what the name, each one of these vignettes has a name to it and I don't remember what the second one's name was. Um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know what you mean. I think like happy birthday was one of them. Yeah. Kiss Kiss me me was another uh this one yeah. i don't remember what it was but uh it cuts to a guy who's like on the phone and freaking out mm-hmm. and i i just thought this was like a quentin tarantino chapter title <laughs> yeah. style thing i didn't know that oh like, you thought it was totally like separate inter- stories. Right. yes which, which we could talk about later because i think they might have could have related but i'll go into that after yeah so this guy is a soldier in a I don't know a lot about the policies in Iran, but it sounds like if you're a soldier, you might be put on execution duty. And if you're in execution yeah. duty, you have to be the person who mm-hmm. effectively does the execution, this is the... which is a little confusing to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, also just to say that they also this is the first setup where it's kind of like, uh, you know, young men typically have to are required to do military service. So they got it. Um, they they mention it in the next story, but in this one, it's also the first. It's kind of like your three years or whatever of service required. Got it. So this guy does not want to kill anybody, and he's really stressed out about it. And there's this neat little discussion between him and the other soldiers in the middle of the night in their like bunker room, mm-hmm. where he's supposed to wake up to do an execution. He doesn't want to do it, and the other guys are like. What makes you so special that you're not going to do it? Does it even matter if somebody else does it? Like, is your conscience really all that clean? If you, At one point, he's going to pay a, a different guy to do the execution for him so that that guy could have money for his sick kid or sick sister, sister I think. Yeah. yeah. And they raise the point of, like, if you're paying somebody else to do it, are, are you really clean of conscience? Mm-hmm. Like... Um, well, there is a lot they, of weird, uh, I guess, not weird, but like slightly hypocritical moments in his way of thinking in order to get out of the situation. Yeah. But, yeah, keep going. You can keep going. And they they raise like, if you really wanted to stop this, you should get into politics mm-hmm. and like, um, which... This goes back to like the larger overarching discussion, but that's a long road right. to instill change. And on the way, do you really want to be uh, p- 
part of this machine. Um, and so one of the guys says, uh, one of the guys gets really mad at him. And I forget exactly what he said, but event at toward the end, somebody gives him a slip of paper, one of the soldiers, and he puts his uniform on this main character in this vignette. And he goes and he's, he meets up with another guard that has a, a gun, like a, a assault rifle and they get the prisoner and this guy with the gun is clearly like a veteran who's been doing this for a while at the prison and he's like i think he can tell that the this guy doesn't want to do it cuz probably a lot of people don't right. want to do it so he's used to like you just got to do your first it, one and get through it also it makes and, you think like you know why are they if they have guys that are kind of veterans in that sense and so easy easily capable of doing this over and over you would think oh you would why wouldn't you have someone that can do this over and over but then the flip side of that is then oh but then how do you also train your citizenry to uh become so emotionally dull that they are capable of doing this so that's why they force new people to do it while yeah you know they have someone that could actually do it that the 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 reason to make him him do it is just so like evil yeah it's it definitely is more indoctrination than anything yeah. else. it's not like oh we need somebody to do this it's like no it's it's like a gang mm-hmm. initiation in a yeah. way where like yeah somebody could go kill that person but like we want you to do it to show that like right you want to be part of our stupid and also to make you policies. it's kind of just like you're now you're 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 basically make like putting them in a position to just lose their identity completely like yeah. that's how you kind of force control on your citizens that way like you now everybody's mm-hmm. got blood on their and hands i think it does a good job of really i mean balancing the the hypocritical moments of it because you're like well he's 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 like he doesn't want to kill anyone so he puts a gun to them and says <laughs> Well, if he doesn't want to kill anyone, why would he shoot? Which he doesn't want to shoot. Yeah. But it's insane that that's the situation that he's found him in. But like, there, it also brings up the fact that like there is no easy answer to any of this. Like, it's a like you can't really judge his reasoning for any of his actions in there because it's such an insane situation. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it. So the first and third story are the story of somebody who just goes and follows through. And the second mm-hmm. and fourth are people mm. who um, didn't don't. Yeah, but we didn't maybe we can that. touch more on that later. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, still in the second story, the guy's now got this slip of paper. You never get to see what's on the slip of paper, but he refer he keeps checking it. And he's instructed to handcuff himself to the prisoner by the guy with the gun. So he does, and he says, I need to go to the bathroom. And the guy says, okay, handcuff the prisoner to this pole, and you can go to the bathroom. Kind of like, I understand it's going to be tough to get through, but you got to do it, so just do mm-hmm. it. He comes out of the bathroom, and he grabs the gun from the uh, other guard, and he says, get in there, and he t- instructs the prisoner to put... Uh, tie the guy's jacket around his head so that he can't scream very well and cuffs him up and he cuffs both of the the prisoner and the guard in the bathroom 
And then he starts his escape, the main character, who is a soldier, and now he has a gun. And he makes it up to the front desk after sneaking around some cleaning people, and uh, he tricks those guys and uh, tells them to, like, lock themselves in a cabinet and he runs outside and he meets up eventually with his girlfriend um who is waiting under a bridge with a car so he must have arranged that uh though on the phone it didn't indicate that he was like arranging her to pick him up Mm -hmm. at any point which is weird to me because like he keeps referring to this sheet of paper like in checking it which mm-hmm. seems to me to be indications of how to get out, but he only just got that moments before from another soldier. Yeah. And it didn't seem like he ever arranged for his girlfriend to pick him up, but she was all of a sudden... Maybe she, there Well, were, he, had phone, he had made a phone call to her. But did he say, come pick me up under a bridge? I mean... And it, I'm gonna, some guy later is going to really... hand me a note and tell me how to get out of here? Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I'd have to rewatch. I I I can't really put the the events in order. Actually, right now, I can't think of what the. Okay. It's a very small detail, but I mean, yeah. there could have been a time cut where, like, he called her. That's and it was true. There was time elapsed because they all went back to sleep, and then. Plus, he had a cell phone, so I mean, that's right. his. He could just call her at any point. So she picks him up, and then they're just driving around in the car, and they're singing some fun Italian song, it sounded like. Ciao. Yeah. Bella, ciao, <laughs> Bella, ciao. And uh, they're driving erratically, <laughs> and I'm like, yes. usually when like you're trying to get away with something, that's like the last, because I kept, I, kept, I kept waiting for like something terrible to happen. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you they're... were like this. I was, and I was also waiting for the first story guy to show up again because I still didn't realize this was two vignettes. Oh. And they drove erratically, and he throws a bunch of slips of paper out a window. Yeah, I didn't even know what those were. Yeah, I don't understand any of it, but I can understand the exuberation. At at some point, they pull over, and he throws the gun. Yeah, I think that was the last shot of the vignette. Yeah. And then, which I mean, it, it makes more like if this if that was the if the movie was about that character, I would imagine something bad happening. <laughs> but yeah. in in the world of vignette storytelling, I can get I can like you know like when you watch like the uh, collection of short films, you always yeah. have kind of a contrast of like what the different films are. So I can imagine one kind of ending a little better than the other. I mean, in terms of this, it's a very good story. I have one one thought mm-hmm. um, that we should touch on later, which is, do you think the second and fourth story could be the same people? It feels like it. it yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of parallels in a couple of these, but I guess mainly in... Well, I, I it was at first my initial reaction was the second and third story felt very connected, but then afterwards... Yeah, the second and fourth makes more sense because it's kind of like what's the young idyllic version of that and then what's the older, like what happens after time progresses, which is really interesting. But we can talk about that when we get to the fourth vignette. But. Yeah, the fourth one is, I don't know, I'm, that's what my favorite one actually. And uh, so the third one, the well, whole time spoiler. I'm watching. What? <laughs> yes. You already told us your favorite vignette. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
So the, the third one, uh, this guy's running through the wilderness. My first thought is, all right, maybe this movie isn't about the same people, and these are a bunch of vignettes at this point. <laughs> this is where it kicks I in. I actually, I kind of wish I was in your position, because I feel like that might have made it a little more, like, surprising and dynamic. Like, I shouldn't have looked up that it was four vignettes. but Yeah, well, I didn't even know how many vignettes, so... <laughs> At a certain point, I was like, "All right, I get the idea. This is about the death penalty. How many more vignettes are going to be? They're going to be." I didn't. I kind of lost track of time. Oh, okay. But the third one is maybe my least favorite in a way. It's like just I don't know. Not there not are some things I liked about it, but I wanted that one to be a little stronger in a few areas because I yeah. liked the. Um, I mean, the kind of the dramatic reveal behind that one was very. Uh, interesting yeah but so oh i have some stuff that yeah i have a lot of but I, there's so much to it. say about go into the third okay. vignette so third vignette uh guys run through the woods and first off i was like there's woods in iran all right i am ignorant i don't know anything about iran Yeah, there's like all sorts of terrains it's like a big they have a lot of different uh, interesting yeah it, i mean it looked vi- very reminiscent of where i grew up honestly yeah like maybe some of the more wooded areas but he's running through the woods eventually he pops out in this like really cool looking house two stories with a second floor balcony and i half the movie or half this venue i'm just thinking man i want a house like that that mm-hmm. looks fun that looks so then i was cool thinking thing. about making houses for a little bit but <laughs> uh i know the the, uh, the brain travels in mysterious yeah. ways when you're watching a movie <laughs> especially when there's like time to like sit in between Yes. You know what I mean? When a movie's at that pace, you kind of have time to think. Yeah, exactly. So he goes and he like knocks on a door, and there's a girl there, and apparently her name's Nana, and his name is Javad, Javad, and uh, he apparently is a soldier, and he took time off to see her. It's her birthday, and he wants to propose to her. Turns out it's also they're setting up um, for a effectively a funeral for funeral for this guy in the town named Kivan, who was like a polit- political activist that everybody liked, and he would teach the kids, and he was like really popular. So part of the this vignette, you're thinking, um, Javad seems a little jealous of Kivan, and he he finds out about him from Nana's dad. Because he goes up to Nana's dad and says, hey, can I uh, ask your permission to, to marry Nana? And the dad says, uh, you should probably talk to her mom. Um, I don't know if you know, but we're not setting up chairs for uh, Nana's birthday. We're setting it up for Kiba-An's funeral. Um, and he was like a really popular guy around here. So I think Javad's a little jealous at first and thinks that Nana may have like been in love with with Kivan and she says no he's 10 years older than me it's not like that and Javad's like my parents are 12 years apart and she's like no he's like a teacher and he was just a really great all-around guy and Javad's like uh, whatever so they set up this they're setting up for the funeral and kind of they, they have this one shot that I think is really great of these guys uh, musicians that are tuning their instruments and in the foreground somebody's setting up a picture but you can't see what the picture is of in inside the house Mm -hmm. they're like putting this portrait up 
And all you do, can do is see the people setting up for the funeral. You don't know what the picture is. Until later, Javad walks by the picture and he sees it. And he sees who this guy is. And, I, and they show the guy for a while. And I was like, cool, it's a guy. Who cares? Um, like, it's a guy that we'll never see again because he's dead. Uh, yeah. It's, it's Kivon. It's a picture of Kivon because it's his funeral. And Javad runs off into the woods and he's very sick. And I was like, he killed that guy. Like immediately, I was like, "Yeah, I don't know how he killed that and guy." But I feel he killed like the that second guy. vignette kind of sets you up for that too. Probably, yeah. yeah. Um, well, they don't say he, he. They just say he's a soldier. So at this point, I haven't. But it really... shows you the process, like because in the second vignette, they kind of go over like your military service requirements, yeah, and that you can get you know three days leave by doing this. At this point, I still didn't really know this movie was about the death penalty until the third vignette. The third yeah. vignette, I was like, all right, I'm starting to pick up on a theme here. There's, there's a pattern. I thought I told you it was about the death penalty. Oh, I'm sure you did. Like, I bet it's recorded that you told me this, and I yeah. just totally forgot, which I'm happy that I did forget it. Uh, so he runs off, and he's running through the woods and... Uh, after he sees the, this Kivon guy, and I'm thinking he killed that guy. It hasn't been said yet. The, so Javad dunks his head underwater, and there's a bunch of she- scenes of him, like, I don't know, Being trying sad. not to be alive anymore. <laughs> um, not uh, It's raining. Eventually, Nana finds him somehow in out in the middle of the woods. I don't know how she found him. She must have, like, uh, Life 360 or something. Um <laughs> Or some some app, or she just knows the woods. She, yeah, I guess, and maybe he's not. I guess if it's muddy and he makes a bunch of tracks, she could find him. Um, but she finds him, and she's all concerned about him and how cold it is. And she's like, "Hey, let me take care of you." And he says he's he's so just like broken up and like not in a good spot, and he just like mutters like, "I killed him. I killed Kevon." Um, and he said he wanted to to get some time off to come see Nana for her birthday. And that's why apparently in some sadistic way of getting extra time off, if you yeah. execute somebody, they give you time off. I mean, it's the ultimate, uh, this one is like the, you know, Romeo and Juliet of the four, like tragedy kind of engulfed in the whole situation. Um, yeah, I feel like it's, that's the kind of the main dramatic looking at it uh because yeah i mean it's basically setting up like oh i wanted to get an extra few days off for you and so he's now placing the like it's kind of like a movement of the blame or at least the sharing of the blame and then to add the marriage on top of that like this is how they're going into their marriage situation is like bound by this thing that mm-hmm. it resulted at the end, at the expense of the death of someone she really admired. Like it's kind yeah, of just insane. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. And he, so she, he's telling her that he did this, and I think he's trying to clear his conscience or whatever. But really, mm-hmm. he's just trying to like pass the buck right. in a way. And she's just gripping this rock the whole time yeah. in a very like violent, like she's gonna kill him there yeah i don't know what she's doing actually that's my take on it it was just she's right. gripping this rock the whole time and eventually mm-hmm. she lets the rock go and she walks away they go up and they're doing this whole 
they have her birthday that night and they surprise her and they're like, hey, we know it's like bad timing because Kivon's dead, but we still wanted you to have a birthday. Yeah. So they're singing happy birthday Which in Javad. and makes the scene ha- that much more difficult. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's real. Like everybody's like giggling and happy except for Nana and Javad who are sitting there in just like they're the only ones who know what's going on. Yeah. And they're in really bad shape. And Javad gives her a ring and she reluctantly puts her shaky hand out for him to put the ring on. Right. And, um, the movie ends, or the vignette ends, I think, I don't remember if there's much more to it, but... Yeah, I'm trying to think he, what happens after that. He finds her in the woods, and she... Oh, with, like, yeah, she, she put, like, his army oh, uniform on sticks, yes. which I was, like, trying to think of, like, what is going on with that? Yeah, I didn't but understand I don't know. that. I I maybe thought maybe like, she put it there to dry it off. Yeah. Like Possibly. as a towel rack. But it, it I mean, as a di- film director, they there's probably some kind of meaning yeah. for that. Um, but that's a good call out. And she or says... Maybe it's like a separation of the the army and the the, the human. That, yeah, that's a really good call. I, you get a point for that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have to um, say... Uh, Iranian happy birthday song way better than you than ours. Oh yeah, it's like a Especially, catchy song. It actually has yeah. lyrics. Um, yeah, their 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 happy birthday is way way better than our happy birthday. For sure, totally off topic and not relevant at all. And <laughs> read the room, guy. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so um. Yeah, so he he sees her with this like, kind of like a crucifix of the uniform he wore, or a scarecrow of the uniform, mm-hmm. and she effectively says, "I'm gonna miss you," and then walks away, and that's the end of the movie. Well, because he's no longer his individual self; he is now this. Uh, if you're looking at the eyes of the soldier now, yeah. I don't but know. I also feel like maybe she doesn't want to get married to him. Probably not. And they likely will not go through with it. And it's like... I mean, it wouldn't have changed anything. Like, he would have been executed still. I think it's just more of, like, he had to be the one, like, making that so personal. Well, I guess... It only works if everybody does it, but if everybody says, I don't want to. Right, um, but then what, are they going to execute everybody? Yeah. That's true. Maybe but you don't that, have to, maybe you don't have to put years of political, um, you know, progression and work into it. Maybe if everyone just stops. It, I mean, in any situation, it's, you have to, like, have everybody stop because right. there's definitely more individuals than there are leaders, right. but it's just so hard to trust and uh, that everybody feels the same way as you and is willing to do this and, and stuff. And like the first and third vignette, both the guys are doing executions and they bought into the, Hey, everybody does it. Like I, 
I just need time off, I think is kind of like... It's a weird trade-off. Like, it's... I, there's a lot to, like... That's packed up in that that I don't... Yeah. Yeah. So, th- that was that one. Very much related to the first vignette. Uh, then the final vignette, I almost would say, could be the second vignette, but, like, 30 or 20 years later. Yeah. In a way. I didn't even really make that connection until you said it earlier. Yeah, there, um, the more I... Th- other than the characters' names... I don't think anything about their story would prohibit them from being a continuation. Well, I mean, they didn't really go... I mean, I'm not sure what the exact details of, like, when the baby was... Like, when the daughter was born, and, like, who had to leave and go where, and why did they stay? Like, there's a lot of complicated questions with that. I was surprised to hear, like, yeah, like, I mean... It's definitely a uh, powerful part of the movie, that vignette. The fourth one? Yeah. I'm wondering what uh, really stuck with you from it. Um, I guess you could recap it. I don't even think you recapped it. Yeah, I can <laughs> recap it quick. This one was pretty brief, I think. But I thought the other ones were too, and it's they're taking a while. Uh, so it starts off with an older man and an older woman at an airport waiting for someone and that someone ends up being a girl probably in her 20s maybe Mm -hmm. um and it turns out that this girl is the older man's niece so i think baram is is his name and her name is i forgot what her name was um so she refers to him as uncle and uh she doesn't understand why she's there. Apparently, she I would assume she's from Germany because she speaks German um, at some points. And uh, she doesn't know why. she She's going to Iran. She doesn't know why she's there, this, this 20-year-old girl. And doesn't like it because where her uncle lives is in the middle of nowhere. There's no cell phone reception. She just wants to talk with her friends and have like her life and it feels like she has to put her life on pause to go see her weird uncle in Iran in a place she doesn't really want to be. She has to wear a headscarf, which she's not accustomed to. She on her way in, she wears a hoodie Mm -hmm. until she can be swapped in with a headscarf by her aunt. And her uncle, there's definitely something that the uncle wants to say to her. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's the whole time through this, there's just this feeling of like, what's going on? What's this mystery? Why? What does he want to say to her? And it seems like they keep setting up situations for him to be alone with her. Like the aunt will like leave. Mm-hmm. They, he, they made dinner and the aunt stepped away. And at, at the first part of the movie, I thought maybe this guy's like a kind of a creep. The, the name of this. I thought they're called... good. I thought they're going to do something with her. Yeah, I, I, exactly. Not, yeah. Like trafficking I, or something. Your mind goes to really sinister places in the movie because there's a lot of moments where you're just completely unsure, like, the context of any of the characters' like yeah. motivations or anything. And this episode was called Kiss Me as well, and mm. all it is is, like, 
an older man, a young girl, and this older woman. So I was like, where is Kiss Me going to come into play here? Yeah. Uh, where so did it come into play? <laughs> it was the song that played um, oh, that's right. when he was when he made dinner to mm-hmm. to talk with the girl. Yeah. So she asks him questions. Uh, oh, in the middle of the night, somebody brings their daughter t- to the uncle's house. One, one second. Hey, no singing. Alyssa. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, so he, he, somebody in the middle of the night brings their daughter and says, oh, she was bit by a snake, and the uncle f- says, it'll be okay, I'll fix it. Next, And he does, I assume. Uh, next day, he's talking to the girl in the car, and she says, are you really a doctor? And if so, why don't you have a clinic? Why are you out in the middle of nowhere? And he's like, it's a long story. And she says, whenever my dad says there's a long story, he just pushes it off. And it's possibly the same story that everybody keeps pushing off. No one Um, wants to tell it. And I don't remember at what point, maybe it was the dinner, I was like, the uncle's the dad. Like It it just like clicked with me. I was like, that's what's going on. He's the dad, and it started to make sense. I had like kind of a loose idea that the reason he doesn't have a clinic is he probably is on the run from something, and he had to give up his daughter when he was younger, and to so that she wouldn't have to have this bad life that he has of being on the run. So that was my my thinking, um, which ended up being the case. And it I don't know why I didn't think of this because the theme of the movie is the death penalty, but. Um, at one point, he's going on a hunt with her, and he it's just him and her, and the aunt's like, oh, I gotta go, I'm gonna yeah, go over I here. Yeah, I forgot something. <laughs> yeah, to leave them to, to, to be with each other. And he said, I'm gonna go hunt for this fox, and the girl's like, I don't wanna, why do you wanna kill this fox? And he's like, well, it killed my chickens. And she, she said, I'm not gonna kill the fox. And he, you could see he was really proud of her, and that's, I think, where it started to click for me that he probably was asked to kill somebody. And oh. he's kind of testing his daughter in a way. Because at this yeah, point, I, I, pick I, up on that I moment, was pretty sure yeah. it was his daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, Can you shut that door? Sorry. Um, yeah, so he, it's his... I think it's his daughter at this point, and he's testing her to see if she would do the same thing in the same situation. Um, and he says, I want you to kill the fox. And she's like, I'm not going to kill this fox. And she leaves, and he tries to chase after her. We cut to, he comes back to the house. He's looking for everybody. And the house seems empty, but then the older lady comes out, and she says, I told her everything. She doesn't want anything to do with you. Um, you need to give her time, like, and everything's revealed in this moment in a way. Mm-hmm. Like she says, like, how does how's somebody gonna feel when, out of the blue, they're told that their uncle is their dad and he's yeah. also dying? <laughs> yeah, because throughout this thing, he's That's coughing a lot. A to lot put on someone. Yeah, yeah. And are you were you do, trying to do this for her? Or were you trying to do this for you? And he says, I'm trying to do this for her because she needs to know the truth, and. Um, at I mean, some I think, point, 
I think that's oh, the big theme of the entire movie. Is there's a lot. That's a lot to put on someone. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a great call out, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's a good overarching. If I could um, describe the movie theme. in one phrase. Yeah, first anyway. absolutely. Another point. Uh, so she's packing up her her clothes and she's really angry, cutting in and out of German and Persian, um, and they're saying we don't understand what you're saying, and she's like that's a lot to put on somebody. And he says, you don't know what it was, was like, like your mother, uh, the old lady is not the mom. The old lady, apparently this was discovered earlier in the story, but mm-hmm. he had only met her 10 years ago. Cause he came to get a, um, a pharma, a prescription and she worked there and now they're dating or married or whatever. So he explains that, uh, he was asked to kill somebody and he said no. And he didn't know that his wife was pregnant at the time. And, uh, because he didn't want to do it or he escaped, he's on the run and he didn't want to have that, his daughter have that life. So they, they smuggled the the daughter out to Germany with the mom's brother Mm -hmm. who ended up taking care of her and raising her as if it was his own daughter. And then the mom was supposed to move, go out there, but she was killed during Some the smuggling accident, right? Yeah. yeah. Trying to get her to Germany and the dad was going to go over too, but I guess, I don't know why he never finished getting over there mm-hmm. and maybe he could have tried harder to do that. Um, and maybe it's just like 20 years of him wondering if he should tell her or try to be involved now, or if it's too late and like going back and forth. And now that he, he's facing death, it's really kind of, pressuring him and enforcing him into making like hey i should maybe tell her the truth before i go so she gets to meet me and all this stuff um yeah it was it was like the it was a very emotional um and heavy that that last one uh and then what did you it was interesting to think of uh, like what did you think of the the story with the fox and the chickens, and then when they're driving away and she sees the fox kind of walk out from the side of the road? I'm wondering what what, what were you thinking at that point? Um, I was thinking that like I have no idea what this fox is. <laughs> no, I knew what the, I knew what the fox I is, did. but. <laughs> There's this one thought that I have is she doesn't know much about her dad, but she knows one thing and that he's very principled Mm -hmm. and he followed, he changed his entire life because of, he believed in something. Yeah. And I feel like in that moment she got it. Yeah. Uh, And the last shot of the movie, which is really great, is this, they all get, they're driving down the road to take her back because she doesn't want to be there anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're in the car, they're on a dusty road, and, and you just alluded to she sees this fox because they have to pull over because he's coughing so much because he's mm-hmm. sick from dying. And they get out of the car, and um, I forget, do, do they like... I don't, wait, I don't does the car drive? What? Was the car... Did the car go back to driving, or was it just parked there when the movie It just shot? parked there. So the last so, like, shot we don't even know. the car maybe doesn't move. You know, maybe they didn't take her back. Maybe she yeah. did stay there for a little bit, and 
and the, they and like they all get back in the car. It's this long wide shot, and yeah. it's a long shot of like the car's not moving, and you don't see any activity, mm-hmm. and you wonder what's going on in that car. And then it's the end of not just yeah. that vignette, but the whole movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a really good way to put it, uh, or a good way to walk through all the vignettes. Um, I I was surprised, like I didn't even think of it towards the end of like oh this one was good this one was bad. like i felt like they meshed together so well for being completely different stories that mm-hmm. it was just like a really overall informative uh engaging experience um i i tried to think you know i guess you as probably you did like what is this combined all kind of represents and what are they trying to communicate and like what is this like theme they're meditating on uh you know with the death penalty and evil morality um i guess there's lots of ways to look at it i was trying to tie in i was trying to think about the title a lot of how you know what is you know there is no evil i guess so to speak well the Um, original title I think right. directly translated, the devil doesn't exist. Yes. Um, which it's interesting how each story for being so involved in Iranian government and the death penalty, it actually doesn't involve the actual people or faces of the institution. Really all you see, aside from maybe some guards in the one story, um, like you might see an Iranian flag you know, on the side of the road. Yeah. Um, or you might see that green, white, and I think mm. orange. Is that the flag? Because remember when he sure. was uh, driving in the first vignette and you, all on the side of the road, there's just those flags he was driving by? Yeah. It is the flag. So it's like red, white, and green. Uh you kind of see that in places like it's always this entity that is on the outskirts of all of these stories. But like, you know, where is, like you said, like if everyone just kind of grouped together and not did this, like what is the evil entity is this machine that is comprised up of all these factors and elements building up to keep Mm -hmm. these people in this, uh, mindset and this, principled way of life or is it is there really just like a one faceless entity that is responsible for all this and it's kind of like yeah like what is the evil because if it's all just a if it all is a built up of all these microcosms then there is no evil it's just a it's just a group conforming to this one ideology and way of thinking yeah, now I, it totally makes sense. Like, there's not some mastermind devil right. behind it's all just, of this. There's all these little pieces that are just kind of moving, and then you people just accept it as the way they are. People try to resist, and there's stories of that. But it's still kind of going one way. It's still kind of representing one way. It's wow. still kind of communicating one way. Um, which I think is a really strong message. And, I mean, you could look at it in any gut, like pick any country and it has kind of like look at any issues and Mm -hmm. it's kind of in a similar fashion it 
you don't really pinpoint, you know, evil as this one thing or as responsibility of this one person maniacally plotting to do this. Like, it has to be a contribution of all these uh Yeah, like death by a thousand paper cuts kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's just everybody submitting to this system. Right. It's, uh, yeah. That's a very, yeah, yeah, because like one one thought is out of all four vignettes, not one person was in support of the death penalty. No one was like ever like, it's not even the death penalty. I feel like that's the wrong thing. It's it's the killing of political activists, I think. Yeah. And even in the ones like the like the second vignette where there's like the guard and then there's even the one person in the bunk bed that is like just shut up and do your service like yeah that's probably a very wildly held belief because that's the easiest way to get through it but like if everyone thinks like that that's what's continuing the 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 evil like the the necess- like this evil so in that second vignette one of the guards says or one one of the soldiers says one trick I do is I ask them what crime they committed, and that helps yeah. me to execute them. And the guy actually does ask the the prisoner mm-hmm. after he steals the gun. He's like, "What crime did you commit?" And the guy doesn't give an answer. Yeah, yeah. And I, that really like I was and, like, "Huh, that's." Interesting. I mean, I mean, we still live in a country where there's the death penalty, and I mean. It's such a, it's such a we, it's such a complicated argument, but it's nothing like, you know, what's going on in Iran. But like, there's still an element to this where it's like, well, what's this need to, kind of, punish and continue? Like, who are we really punishing? Are we punishing the people put to death? Or are we punishing the people putting people to death? You know. If we're right. doing this, then we're just ongoing ourselves in this pain. So it's kind of like, you know, all these questions of, you know, what is punishment and what is justice and what is right and what is wrong. It, mm-hmm. It's just so complicated that it really can't be boiled down to this is how we have to do it. Well, yet again, uh, talking about this movie with you has widely broadened my appreciation for it all right so are we getting the points um (laughs) yeah well right yeah for sure you definitely get a point on this one um because the devil doesn't exist i mean i it didn't really i didn't fully understand the the title Mm -hmm. and now that we've talked about it it's really clicking for me yeah well that's it there's no satan we're we're all a little bit. We all think there's a Satan, and we're just we're all just. Uh, we all want to be not involved in anything that we contribute to what the idea of Satan is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I. That's what makes like you know the father in the fourth story like being so principled. That's what makes it really stand out. Like I don't know. Like, because he suffered for that one decision. Yeah. His entire life was turned upside down because he didn't want to. Yeah, people don't want to do that. It's a hard thing to... 
I mean, what's even the story of religion? Like, like what did Jesus Christ do? You know, it's usually these morality tales, like that's what you're usually kind of paying to carry this weight of something. Mm -hmm. I guess it's the principled. And if that's like what the idea of like a moral just figure is, then that's the ultimate comparison, really. And then on a meta level, the director mm -hmm. who made this movie is suffering right. for doing this. He's the fifth vignette in a way. Yeah. And he's still in Iran. And I'm not even sure how that works. Like, don't they know the movie came out? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's in prison or on his way to being in prison from yeah. what I was. There's the Wikipedia page for him is uh, criminally small. Right. Um, so, so I had to look in real sources. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but last I saw, he he's like, he, yeah, either in prison or on his way to prison for propaganda issues. Yeah. Well, anyways, that was there will, there is evil. Wait, there is no evil. Uh, Have you learned nothing? I've learned nothing. <laughs> uh, so I get a point. Um, I don't, I'm, I've lost track of our points, but I think I've pretty much, uh, I didn't get one on Patterson. Yeah. Cause he, I get one on Ariel. I think so. I don't remember. <laughs> Let's do the, the points of the points. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so should we get to next week's movie? Uh, yeah. I was really torn. I'm may, I'm still, I'm leaving it up to the IMDb page I last left up. That's how I'm making this decision right. right now. And you know, sure, the death penalty, right? That's pretty, that's a, that's a pretty heavy topic. Yeah. Why don't we have fun this week? Okay. <laughs> uh, it's well, I guess it's not as fun as we could do on an art house movie podcast. Although I have some ideas of you know blending in some comedic movies, in, like Tommy Boy. Yeah, like Tommy Boy, uh, <laughs> into the uh, the calendar because you know we can't watch this kind of movie every week because then what are we doing? Well, I, mean, I don't know. This movies <laughs> like this. I don't, it's just like, what are we doing? Learning. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, this movie. Um, I'll tell you who it stars, but you can't see his face in the entire movie. Yet, the lead actor in this movie is Michael Fassbender. Oh, it's um. The name of the movie is a person's first name. It, that is also true. And he wears a big fake head, and he's in a rock band. Yep. Did you see this? I haven't. I have not seen it. I've seen. I'm surprised you know it. about it. It's a little indie movie from 2014, also co-starring Maggie Gyllenhaal, and uh, I think Brendan Gleeson's son, uh, Dom, Dom Hall, Hall, who is Dom Hall yeah. Person. Uh, I think he's in one of the Marvel, or he's in Star Wars, right? He's in he's Star a, Wars. He's, he's also he's a baddie. In, uh, he's ex, a baddie in there. Ex, ex Machina. <laughs> ex Machina, yeah. 
Also stars Scoot McNary. Uh, I don't remember the name of the guy. It's like Bill or Richard or... Just roll off some common names. And maybe you'll Joe, win. Joe, Joseph, Billy, Steve, Doug. Nope. Terry. Oh, I can't believe I can't think Keep of Keep guessing. This is the the one chance I have of actually guessing Just uh, go to a... rent. Just comment. Just Google a list of common names. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta give you the first letter. Yeah, that would help a lot. F. Frank. That is correct. You got it. Okay. You got, you got the guess this week. We're watching the 2014 Lenny Abrahamson. I've never heard of him, but he directed it. Uh, film Frank. A light-hearted comedy, drama, music, film. It's not, I don't know, is that light? But, I mean, it's pretty light. Cool. I want something different. We're putting some yeah. music in here, you know. We can, I really yeah. like this movie. I just watched it maybe like a month or two ago again. Um, I like watching it every now and then. It's just one of my favorites to go back to. And I never really think about it too much. It's just something I really like watching. Um, so I'm interested to kind of uh, think about this movie more. Uh, but yeah, it stars Michael Fassbender as a singer who wears a big papier-mâché head. As you do. As you do. Um, you could uh, Google it, watch it. It's on Prime Video and uh, watch along with us. And then we'll be next back next week to talk about Frank. Yeah, and if you haven't seen There Is No Evil, I would recommend it. I, at the moment, I haven't seen a lot of okay. movies this year. But um, by far, this is probably my favorite movie we've watched on the podcast so far. If there is no oh, evil. okay. Great. Um, so I definitely recommend it for folks. Hopefully you didn't listen to this whole podcast <laughs> before you saw it. But Yeah, we uh, spoiled some things. Yeah. But... Um, I don't know. I feel like the way we talk about it, you could still have an experience watching it. Yeah. And I would hope that, uh, honestly, what we did this past time is what I, what I would really hope for a movie is like, we just you just see yeah. it and you're wondering and, about it and yeah. you want to get some more appreciation for it, so listen right. to our podcast. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes people have, like, I mean, I've even had difficulty watching foreign films and like actually following along and like understanding it so sometimes yeah things like this are useful for people that maybe don't watch a lot of foreign films uh, for sure so, yeah watch it it's good um, cool well thanks for picking it out you're welcome because <laughs> i i don't think i would have seen it otherwise uh all right well we'll be back next week to talk about frank and uh that's it. Goodbye. See ya. See ya.